welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Well, first of all, it's, glad, it's just good to have you guys back. We're, we're glad for it, excited for what God is doing. Um, let's start off the day right. How many love you some Jesus today? Yeah? Can, can I just say that for three months I've been saying that into a camera, and when nobody responds back, it gets really awkward for me? I'm not even kidding you. It's, it was brutal. In fact, somebody brought that up. They're like, is it awkward when you say that? Yes, all right? It was. Um, so uh, we're, we're, just, we're, we're glad you guys are back with us today, and, and I know more people are going to kind of slowly make their way back, and just excited for that. We thought Memorial Week can be a good time to, to start, and uh, uh, we had eight at our eight o'clock service. And we uh, basically kind of set that one aside for those kind of at higher risk or for uh, 50 plus, those in the 50 plus range. Can I just tell you, everybody that was 50 plus emailed me and said, don't make me come to the 8 o'clock service. Uh, they said we don't like to get up that early. Um, so I just want you to know, you're welcome to come to anyone, just so you know. Just, just want to throw that out there. Uh, for some of you guys, man, this has uh, been kind of a, a, a rough time, and so we've just had opportunities to pray for you guys. And for some of you guys that are um, huggers, any, any huggers out there, you kind of feel like caged lions right now, all right? Like there's this awkward moment of going, do we, are we supposed to, mm, not that I would hug my brother ever, anyways, uh, but... This moment of like, what do we do? And so just, just, just know that if you mess up and you hug somebody, it's okay. God loves you, and somehow it'll all work out. Amen? It'll all work out. So I want to take a minute. Today is Memorial Weekend, and uh, Monday we celebrate Memorial Day. And it's, it's an opportunity for us to remember those who've gone and, and passed on before us. And uh, it's, it's really, Memorial Day was actually um, uh, brought about by remembering people who served in the armed forces and laid their lives down uh, for us. And so we just want to take a minute and just pray um, uh, for those who've gone on before us and have already crossed that finish line, um, and specifically for those who uh, served in the armed forces and laid their lives down for us. So can we just, if, if you are military or you've got family in the military or connection, uh, we, we just want to pray over you guys as well today. So Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Weekend, God, we're so grateful that we live in a free country. We're so grateful, God, and we don't want to take our freedoms for granted. We don't want to forget about our freedoms. God, thank you for um, just the ability, um, God, to come together in a country of freedom. In a country of freedom, Father, and we, we thank you for those, God, who've gone on before us, those who've already crossed that finish line. We remember those men and those women, specifically, God, for those men and women who've laid their lives down so that we can live here, Jesus. But we also, God, don't forget about other places and other countries that are not free to worship physically, God, that, that every time they get together, there's a, a danger, there's a threat on, on their life. Lord, we thank you that a long time ago, you bought and paid for their freedom, and that in Christ Jesus, we are all free. And so we don't, we don't want to neglect that as well. Thank you, Jesus, that on this Memorial Weekend, we remember those who've gone on. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And all God's people said... Amen. We, uh, we want to take some time and just kind of bring up some of our team and, and just kind of talk a little bit about what the Lord is stirring in our hearts uh, in this season, what he's been teaching us, what he's been training us in, uh, where he's been kind of um, maybe pulling things out, putting things in. And so uh, we're just going to kind of go down the line here and just share what God's been stirring in our hearts. So we're going to start with Matt. Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to see smiling faces. Seriously. Ah. Somebody say God is good. Do you believe it? Oh, 
every ounce of my being. Um, you ever, you, you, you know the phrase, like, be careful what you pray for? That's been like this season of my life. Um, if you remember four months ago, I shared just a little bit about the transition out of youth ministry for my own life. I've been in youth ministry for 15 years, but serving this body for 12 of that. And it's not like you, you're, you're all about youth and have a passion for youth one day and it ends the next. You know what I'm talking about? And so I shared with you just a little bit, just being candid, how difficult that was. But I also, through that time, I was praying to God. I said, God, I'm asking you to, I, I, I want to be a willing vessel. Do with me what you will. And I, I, I want to be obedient to that. I want to be, um, I, that's, that's my desire, for God just to carry out your kingdom will and your kingdom purpose for my life. And uh, the last three or four months, um, so I've just been praying. And so I've actually shared with Aaron and those guys. I just go, I, I know God tells us that we, he, we're made in his likeness. And one of the very first things he did was create. And he made me a creative. I love to create things. And uh, I have the gift of video and photography and just that kind of ability. And it's something I enjoy. And so my prayer was, God, can I use this for your kingdom? And I had no idea that he was going to baptize me by fire and uh, allow us to do online services for three months. Okay, so um, I'm so thankful for that, but I, I bring it up because of this. In, in Jeremiah 1, um, God tells Jeremiah, I knew you before I knit you together in your mother's womb. And I believe that for each one of us, God has us in a season and a time for now, that we were called into purpose with a kingdom identity to truly partner with the kingdom of God to bring it here on earth. Come on, amen? Do you believe that? And so I believe that for my own life. James 1 is a book of James in general. is just the book that slaps you across the face, speaks directly to your heart, and it says this in James 1. Consider it pure joy when you face trials and tribulations of many kinds because it develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so we can be what? Complete or mature, not lacking anything. Like, God is sharpening us and refining us by fire through tribulation so that we can be complete, not lacking anything, because we were made not for normal, but for radical kingdom purpose. Amen? And so with that, right after that, Scripture tells us if we lack wisdom, ask for it. And don't ask for it doubting, but ask for it knowing that God is going to give it to you or will be like a wave, lost, tossed and turned in the sea, just drifting. And I feel like in this season, a lot of us have been searching after what is truth. We have our own ideologies and thoughts and opinions about what's happening in the world right now. And I think probably all of us have um, some sort of side of the fence that we sit on. But the truth is, is we're called to to look and to seek kingdom wisdom. Come on, amen? And so I just kind of want to share just a, a little bit of a hard truth that God shared with me, as Aaron said, uh, and he just asked, can you hold this for a sec? He just asked for us to share what God's doing in our lives. And this is what God just, I mean, when I say smack me across the face is I've been looking at what um, it really looks like to, to truly seek the kingdom of God. And this is, this is a story in Matthew 16 where Jesus just tells the disciples, hey, I'm going to Jerusalem. There's going to be much persecution there. there I'm going to be crucified, and, and this is going to happen. And in verse 22, we pick up, and it says, Peter looked at Jesus and took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. And we all know this next scripture, verse 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. 
But right after this, listen to what it says. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And I think, if anything, I've, I started this whole thing off, and maybe kind of like you, of I was praying against it, man, all of these things, and we're called to, to refute spiritual warfare and all of the stuff that comes against us, and Scripture tells us there's no weapon that will form against us that will prosper. And so I'm praying all of these things with never once asking God, what is he doing? What, is he, what are you doing, Lord, in this and through this, and how can I partner, just be a part of what you are doing? And that was such a hard reality for me because I'm, I'm thinking that I'm praying good things. Or I'm, I'm, but what I realized is I'm, I'm really easily influenced from a, from a human point of view. You know what I'm saying? Think about if, if Peter had all the good intentions. I know Peter went to Jesus and was like, Lord, you can't go there. They're going to crucify you. You will die. Like, I have to keep you from this. I'm, I'm, I'm one of your, your, your innards. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight against this. And, and Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. You only see from a human point of view. Imagine if Jesus never went to the cross. Imagine if he wasn't crucified and beaten and broken and bloody, shed his blood for you and I. We wouldn't have freedom in the name of Jesus, because he had to be crucified, dead, shed his blood for all mankind so we could be born again and raised again to new life with freedom for all that we'd have direct relationship with our Lord. Come on, amen? And that is kingdom mindset. Jesus taught us how to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In this whole thing, let me tell you, God is at work. And we have to stop seeing from a, a human point of view, the church, the sons and daughters, have to take the mantle of kingdom, of the gospel, to be co-heirs in Christ and carry the, the message of Jesus, the hope of the world, so that we can see God's kingdom continue to be carried out. I don't know about you, but I want to partner in that, not, that, not be the one that's getting in the way saying, uh, get behind me, Satan. I want to be the one that says, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. How can I be a part of this? Amen? Amen. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, so I've been right there with Matt in a lot of ways. Aaron asked the staff last Monday in our staff meeting, what is the Lord putting on your heart? What is he revealing to you? And I'll just start by saying the last three months has been incredibly exposing. And, uh, and it's been really good. I told the other two services, it's like the Lord put me in a social fast that I wasn't planning on going. I mean, we're all there. We're all, I'm not there by myself. But like, I'm, it's like I've been fasting and I wasn't planning on fasting. wasn't prepared. But fasting gatherings, fasting people. And what happens in a fast, the Lord, you abstain from all these things to pursue the Lord. Well, he's like been taking things away. <laughs> so he's all I have left. And he's been just shining his light incredibly patiently and in incredibly thoroughly on all the darkest places of my heart and exposing these things that aren't his image and telling me the truth. <laughs> and it's like, it's so transcending what I've felt in those moments. His truth is setting in and it's like, it's like really cementing deep in my heart and it hurts so bad sometimes. But it's so good. He's doing this work deep inside of me and refreshing I told the staff, he's like recentering my soul. So, and just revealing all the things that I've made or what I thought life with God looked like, what I thought life with God was about, and really revealing 
all of that stuff was things I came up with rather than life with God is actually just knowing him and being present with him and trusting him and loving him and um, choosing to believe the truth, whether you feel like you, whether you feel any kind of way about anything. And so it's just been really good, really exposing. Um, and it's been really quiet. A lot of days are really quiet. Um, if you know me, I love to be in group group settings just to hang out with people, see a bunch of people. And since those limitations, it's just been incredibly aggravating and frustrating for me. But, and I know I'm not the only one there, but God is so patient and so kind and just saying like, Jacob, hey, I love you. You know, am I enough for you? Teaching me how to be present, how to not be so much of one who anticipates what's next, anticipates the next party, the next game, the next gathering, whatever, but to actually just anticipate the Holy Spirit. And that's been really uh, kind of a trip and a really revealing to life with God. Um, so yeah, just all of that said, I guess under this umbrella of he's taking me out, taking us on a social fast. And what I guess I would leave or finish or say is like really allow yourself to be present with the Lord, anticipate the Holy Spirit in these quiet moments when you're not um, able to go to work, when you're not able to do whatever. I mean, it's all lifting now, praise the Lord. But don't stop anticipating what the Holy Ghost wants to do, say, because he's always near, he's always present. And um, obedience, Jesus loves obedience. He says we love him if we're obedient. And so it's not because we, never mind. But I was just going to go off, but obedience. Jesus loves obedience, and if we love him, then we'll obey him. It's that simple. And uh, I will confirm, I probably got a dozen text messages from him over the last couple months. What are you doing? What are you doing? You guys do anything tonight? I'm like, uh, it's quarantine. I don't know. Don't, don't really have any plans, but uh, <laughs> so we love you, social butterfly right here. So, um, so in, uh, at the end of uh, 2019, I really felt a stirring um, to, to look at eschatology. Does anybody know what eschatology means? Okay, it's, it's the study of or pertaining to end times. And so the Lord was drawing me to a lot of prophetic writings and, and Revelation and, of course, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and everything. I had no clue where to start. I've never really, I, you know, I've kind of been one of those that's like, well, it'll all work out in the end. I mean, God's coming back. I know that. So I'm, I'm pretty settled in that. That's pretty good. But I, I really felt like he was drawing me in deeper. And, um, and it wasn't a deeper so that I would know a lot more. Uh, I, I try to predict the future and, well, God's coming back in 2020. And this COVID is just another example of that. Um, and I'm not going to stand on a you know, street corner with a sign or anything, so don't, don't worry about that. You don't have to find me out there. But, but I, I really feel like he was drawing me because um, there's a passage uh, that, I, that I read, and, it, it, and it just keeps, I just keep coming back to it. And it, it's from 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm just going to read a few verses out of it, but uh, this is from the Passion Translation. It says this, Since Christ, though innocent, suffered in his flesh for you, now you must also be a prepared soldier, having the same mindset, for whoever has died in his body is done with sin. And I love this, this verse. It says, so live the rest of your earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed, but consumed with what, what brings pleasure to God. And then skipping down to verse 7, it says, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, purposeful, and self-controlled so that you can be given 
to prayer. So Peter here, he says, be intentional, be purposeful, be self-controlled. Paul elsewhere in the New Testament, he's like, be of sober mind, be alert, be prepared. Constantly in the New Testament, we're, we're urged, encouraged, challenged to be prepared. And again, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I know he is. It's inevitable. I, the, the end is written. And, and so we, we need to be a people in that mindset that God is coming back. And so what I've noticed about myself, I've been a Christian for about, uh, let's see, 30-ish years. I'm almost 40. And um, there's different seasons I've gone through as a Christian, highs, lows, doubts, uh, you know, extreme faith, kind of all in between. But there's been seasons where I've been lulled to sleep. I become pretty complacent. I become pretty indifferent. And it wasn't intentional. I think of the disciples who were in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, when, when Jesus was praying. It was late at night. He's about to get arrested, but he's praying. And he's like, he is sweating drops of blood because it's just so intense. And he comes back to his disciples, and they're, they're what? They're asleep. Now, they weren't intentionally trying to disobey Jesus. It was, it was probably a nice night out. You know, the stars are out. They found a good rock to lay their head on, whatever it is. But they fell asleep. And again, it wasn't intentional, but they still drifted there. I I find that in my life a lot of times. And so I'm just, I'm I'm gripped by these words that Peter says, be intentional, be purposeful, be self-controlled so that what? What does that verse say? So that you become a better spouse, so that you can become a better parent, a better coworker? No, so that you can be given to prayer. If you pray, I promise you'll be a better spouse. I promise you'll be a better coworker. I promise you'll be a better parent. At least we'll be on the journey, let's say that. But it says so that you can be given to prayer. I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is coming back to a praying church. I pray that we do not find ourselves asleep. I pray that he doesn't find us asleep. In Isaiah 56, Jesus quotes this in Matthew 21 and in Mark chapter 11. He says, and my house will be a house of what? of prayer. So church, I am, I am urging us that this is a time, it always has been, but that we will be locked in, focused on praying. That we will be self-controlled, of sober mind, clear-minded, alert, so that we can be given to prayer. So if you haven't started praying, start somewhere. Just start. There's grace for it. I mean, there really is. I, I've talked to a number of Christians like, I, I, I just don't know where to begin. Be, start somewhere. When you started walking, did you have it all figured out? Did you start running? No. You watch your own kids. They stumble every two feet, right? And they're tripping all over themselves. God has grace for that. Start somewhere. Let us not fall asleep. And I'll end with this. Verse 2, I want to say it one more time. So that we can live the rest of our earthly life no longer concerned with human desires, but consumed, consumed with what brings pleasure to God. Amen. It's a good word. Would you guys email him every end time question you have? It's rwallace at reliancecommunity.org, all right? Like, ask him when Jesus is coming. Just, just inundate from Revelation, if you would, uh, to him. That was a good word. I think it, it is important we're keeping our eyes fixed, um, fixed on the aspect that we're running a race and there's a finish line, amen? Um, at the more and more discussions I've had with people over the last kind of couple weeks, it's really been on this idea of what do we believe? There's so much information out there, 
and, and everybody's like locking into these, you know, things online, whatever. There's so much information that's like, what do I believe? And, and, and am I supposed to act this way? Am I supposed to act this way? Am I supposed to believe this? Or am I supposed to believe this? And I'll be honest with you, you know, I watch all of it too, and I'm so confused that at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I don't know if what's truth, what's, I know whose truth, and it's Jesus. I promise you that every single thing we're wrestling with right now is found in the Word of God. I promise you. Is he coming back? Yes, it's in the Word of God, right? Is, there, is, is times going to get tough? Are, 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 are we going to go through trials? Yes, it's in the Word of God. And so everything, like this information download, I, I feel like, is, is honestly in some ways a distraction, you know, the enemy loves to use whatever he can as a distraction. And so I really feel like what the Lord showed me this week to kind of share was that there's so much out there of what to believe that the enemy's just using it as a distraction, church. And at the end of the day, what we are to do is not to be distracted uh, by all the schemes that he has out there. And so there's three ways I just want to share real quickly on how to eliminate these distractions. Number one, run your race. Run your race. Everybody has a start. You're here because you've started your race. We will hit a finish line. I promise you. We will. That's the goal of the enemy. I want to inundate you with so much stuff that you just simply lose distraction on why you're running the race. Uh, Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, right? And then he says, but only one gets the prize, Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict, somebody say strict, strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. We do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. Um, I, I dedicated in 2020, me and Dan Rayburn made this deal. We said, in 2020, we're going to run a half marathon, Right? I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I was kind of like, it's 13 miles. That's not that many miles, right? That's what's going through my head, right? So I'm going through this process of going, I'm not going to train for it. I'm just going to kind of exercise a little bit. And then we're just going to get out and we're going to run 13 miles. That's just the way it's going to be. And so Dan called me up the other day and he said, uh, hey, man, we probably should run a little bit, right? I'm like, whatever, man. I could put headphones on and run for 13 miles. It's not a big deal. I kid you not, we, we left my driveway, we ran 2.5 miles, and I physically thought I was dying. Physically. I was, I was the, we, normally we kind of run down here on Pawnee, we turn the corner, and it's, it's about a two-mile run. When we turned the corner, I was going to lay down on the sidewalk and tell Dan to go on without me. I was dying. I, I was dying. There's one thing that kept me going. Pride, all right? That was it. It was just pride. I was like, if my legs fall off, I will finish this thing, right? Two miles, 2.5 miles of what we ran, I couldn't get up the next morning. And I literally, in my mind, I was like, I was going to be lazy and try to do this half marathon. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to me, and just kind of what I felt when I was running was, sometimes you want to be lazy in your Christian life and you think you're going to finish the race. And that word strict training just came back and bit me. Of going, I can't do things with God just kind of aimlessly. Like, yeah, I mean, if I get there, I get there. That this is a season where the Lord is saying, run your race. Don't try to run somebody else's race. Don't try to let somebody feed you something and run over here, run over here. Look at who Jesus is and run the race that he's laid out for you. Amen? Don't get distracted. Number two, we can rely on only one thing. 
Jesus. Sounds simple, but we're searching for truth everywhere. Do you remember when Jesus went before Pilate? And he's telling him these things, and Pilate, and, and Pilate asked the question, what is truth? Every one of us in this room, we're looking for truth. What is truth? What is truth? What is truth? And here's what I do know. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, Paul begins to tell us that there was something happening to them and some other believers, and it was caused for a reason. I want to read this to you guys. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.8, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles that we experience in the providence of Asia. Just tremendous troubles, persecution. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability. Far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Basically, Paul was going, we didn't think we were going to live. In fact, indeed, he says in verse 9, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Do you know when this whole thing started, there were so many that were just like, death, death, death. We, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But look what Paul says. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I'm just wondering here. He goes on, he says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. I'm just wondering if in this moment, Paul's trying to tell us in our own lives that when things come in, and, and there's gonna be things that come in, there's trouble that comes in, that he goes, look, this was set in our lives so that we would stop relying on ourselves and rely on the one who raises people from the dead. It's resetting our eyes on the one in whom we follow. It's recasting our vision. It's getting us into the race of understanding that the one in whom we follow is the only one that we can rely on. And he's the one who raises people from the dead. And so in this season, you know, I, I was just even thinking about reliance. When we, when we like, what do we wanna, who do we wanna be? And we call ourselves Reliance Community Church. I was thinking about this idea of going, why do we call ourselves Reliance, And it was because we knew that we couldn't rely on anybody else but Jesus. Run your race. Rely on him alone and know that there are seasons that come to shift you when you've been relying on yourself to rely on him. And the third one real quickly is this. We need each other. We were talking about this as a staff. We missed you guys. We missed gathering together. No, I didn't feel like, you know, we're being persecuted in, in any way. Man, you go to another country, you see persecution. But I did feel like, man, that, there, that this season of gathering together was needed. And, 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 and when I say that we need one another, we don't need to fight one another. We need to unite one another. And, and there's a word that comes from Hebrews 10.25 that's just really been resonating with us lately. And this word in Hebrews 10, 25 talks about do not forsake, do not let go of, do not give up, gathering together with one another as some are in the practice of doing. But it says, but it says this, but encourage one another all the more. Somebody say all the more. All the more as the day draws near. Ryan was talking about the day is drawing near. Whether it's 100 years or 50 years or 20 years or tomorrow, as the day draws near, it says in his word in Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake getting together all the more as the day draws near. And I was asking the Lord just kind of in my prayer time, why, why is that? 
And it's something I shared last week in Matthew 24, 12, where it talks about Jesus giving the signs of the times. I want to read this again. He says, as, the, as sin increases, he says, the love of many will grow cold. And, and begin to process that. Lord, what do you mean the love of many will grow cold? And really felt like he spoke to my heart of going, to have love and to have it grow cold means that at one time you had love, right? To, to, to have love growing cold means that at one point you had this love, probably a little bit burning for, for the Lord, maybe enjoying what God was doing, and then eventually it grows cold. And he gave me the image of the old adage of going, what does that look like? If you've got a fire that's stoked and you take a coal out of the fire and you just simply set it to the side of the fire, what happens to the coal? It grows cold. It doesn't happen immediately. In fact, it's over here glowing for a while. It's, it's, it's burning for a while. You won't touch it for a while. But over the course of time, that coal eventually grows cold. How do you get the coal back on fire again? You pick it up, you put it back in the fire. We need each other to stoke one another's fire for the Lord. Amen? Whether you're watching on Facebook Live, whether you couldn't make it today, my encouragement to us and here, to whoever's watching online, is do not get out of sync with brothers and sisters in Christ who need to stoke one another's fire. I get for some, you can't make it right now, and, and my heart is going, we're with you, we're for you, we bless you, we honor you, we, we stand with you. Do not get out of sync, though, for letting people speak into your life to stoke the fire of the Lord. Run your race. Rely on him. We need one another. Matt talked about the wisdom of the world. Don't chase the wisdom of the world. Chase the wisdom of God. God is speaking. Do you know more times in the Old Testament and the New Testament that the charge that God had against the people was he says, they did not incline their ear to hear my voice and obey my commands. In the church of Revelation, round about Revelation, when he speaks to the churches, he says, let the church who has ears hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Jacob talked about this idea of fasting and kind of forced, forced fasting, <laughs> where all of a sudden in this fasting, there's this stuff coming up out of him that he didn't realize he had in him. Being purified by what God's doing. And then Ryan, man, we're hastening the day of the Lord. And we are not adding prayer to the church. We are a house of prayer. So church, I just want to pray over you, if we can, for just a moment. Would you just bow your heads for just a minute? I just want to pray this over you that throughout this season that we've been in, please, please, Jesus, don't let us be the same. I just want to pray this. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. I don't have to figure out truth from every other source. I just need to know the source of truth and the wisdom of the world. And so, God, I pray that the wisdom of man, the wisdom of the world, would not infect me as much as the wisdom of God. And I pray that we would seek out the wisdom of God. I pray, Jesus, that in this season that you're bringing things out of us. You're bringing things out of us that were never of you, that we would see that it's actually a beautiful thing to be purged of those things. To be purged of the things that we've relied on for so long. And then God, as Ryan shared, I pray, Father, that we would see with your eyes all the more as the day draws near. 
and that we would not just add more prayer into our habits, but that we would become a place of prayer. Not just a house of prayer in terms of a church building. I'm talking about that we as the people would become a place of prayer and that we would dwell in your house. Help us to run our race, God, that you've set before us. Help us to rely only on you and help us to need one another. We need one another. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you guys for coming out. Can't wait to continue to get back to some normalcy. Love you guys. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.